1: I'm not sure why, but I was just under the assumption that I had to listen to whatever it was that he had to say. And I remember you helping me get to the point where I could say, he can write whatever he wants, it doesn't make it true, and I don't have to listen to it. Just like I wouldn't listen to it if he was saying it to my face, I would always have the ability to walk away, I have the ability to walk away from an email.
0: Today's episode is entitled How I Reclaimed My Sanity, Self-Esteem, and My Life, and it's particularly special as we examine one woman's story of her real-life journey from the pain of early divorce to the freedom and calm of her post-divorce life. I've been sharing with you a variety of experts who've offered their wisdom and advice on legal, psychological and practical issues. And today we're taking a moment to celebrate the powerful personal transformation that's possible for each one of you when you dare to keep the focus on yourself and do the inner work that is vital to heal and emerge from your high-conflict divorce whole and healthy. So I'm excited about today's special guest. She's a former Journey Beyond Divorce client. And we'll refer to her as Ellie to uh, protect her anonymity. And when I first met Ellie, she was like most clients who, when they first reach out, are filled with fear and constant overwhelm. And Ellie still navigates chaos and contention with her ex-husband, which she'll be sharing with us. And yet she also enjoys the gifts of peace, confidence, and even joy and healthy love relationships. Ellie's post divorce life represents the story of so many of our Journey Beyond Divorce clients who find that they're not only able to survive their high, high conflict divorce, but that they thrive, that they're better rather than bitter, and fully able to attract and enjoy healthy people in their lives post divorce. And so I'm excited to welcome Ellie. Hi, Karen. Hi, Ellie. Thanks so much for your willingness to take the time and share your story with our listeners. Let's dive in, Ellie, and begin with uh, this This series, as you know, is uh, on high conflict divorce. And can you just share with our listeners why you would categorize your divorce as high conflict?
1: Well, I don't think there's a part of my divorce that is not high conflict. Everything about it involves some sort of conflict. Um, Issues that wouldn't normally be an issue about anything will turn into an issue. Um, There's an argument about everything. There's never a simple yes or no answer. Um, Everything is just very combative and uh, for those reasons, I would say it's definitely high conflict all the time.
0: Right. And and how long has it been since you first filed for divorce? Just to give our listeners a, a sense of how long you're in it.
1: Uh, it's been about eight or nine years. And you also, if, if I
0: remember correctly, when you started, your child was quite young, wasn't? Yes. Right. Right. And so... How would you describe, um, when you came to me, what would you say were some of the key issues that you were struggling with the most?
1: Um, There were a bunch of things, but I would say one of the biggest issues was that I felt I had no peace and I was extremely anxious. I was just a walking ball of anxiety. There were Um, there were a lot of things that were sort of setting me off and, and putting me into a panic state. Um, in particular, I was, I felt that I was being bombarded with a lot of emails, text messages, and phone calls that were, um, basically abusive, emotionally abusive. And I felt that they were never ending and they were just constant. And I, I wasn't able to kind of shut that out of my life.
0: So the communication that you were dealing with was high conflict and constant. And would you say that was the cause of a lot of your anxiety?
1: It was because I felt that the majority of it, the majority of it was unwanted. So I felt that I wasn't instigating any communication, but the communication was constantly coming to me and almost baiting me. And I felt that I was constantly dragged into these arguments that I didn't even want to get involved in. And then the few times that I did have to reach out for something that may have been important because our child was very young, um, you know, just everyday caretaking issues. I dreaded even reaching out for simple things, you know, to discuss bottles and diapers and feeding and clothing just very 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 simple everyday things became extremely stressful just the idea of communicating was extremely stressful and on top of it i was getting so many emails and text messages and we all know those come along with notifications and it was it was becoming so that those notifications were were becoming a trigger and sort of sending me into a panic mode. I was I was having sort of a Pavlovian response to that little ding that your phone gives you to let you know that you received an email or a text message. And it got to the point where it didn't even matter who the message was coming from. If I received a notification, my stomach would flip. And I felt that I was just on edge all the time.
0: And at this point, you were actually post-divorce, weren't you, when you first came to me?
1: Yes, I was.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what's interesting is I recall so clearly that you didn't feel that you had any uh, out, that, you, that there was no possibility except to receive the messages, respond to the messages and be constantly in the ring, uh, engaging with this individual.
1: Correct. And I also felt that at that point, I had gotten my divorce, I had moved out. And I had thought that at that point, I would have feel some some sense of freedom. And I felt that I was still being dragged down by this person. And I was almost still attached.
0: Right. And that's such a great point, because so often we talk to our clients and we say, you know, you're so focused on the the legal divorce. But then there's the, you know, what I'll refer to as the emotional divorce, the real detachment and disconnection from that, that dysfunctional dance that you've been doing. And yet you found yourself post-divorce in that exact same dysfunctional interaction.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And we talked about the fact that the communication and whether it's constant texts or emails that are the size of a dissertation or whatever, that there are boundaries that that one can set around those. And do you remember uh, your comfort level in considering setting those boundaries?
1: Um, I do remember that there were a couple of of boundaries that you helped me set that at first I never even considered. I didn't think they were, it was possible for me to be able to do that. Um, Having a small child, I felt that I needed to be in contact in case of an emergency. Right. And I remember you walked me through, um, you know, realizing that an email is not an emergent way to get to somebody. So if there was an emergency, it wouldn't be through an email and that emails really, I could set aside and check when I was ready. And when I was in a sort of a, a good mental place where I could kind of give myself a little pep talk and maybe psych myself up before I read it to say, you know, whatever's written in here, I'm, I'm not, if it's mean, um, or if it's insulting, I'm just not going to continue to read it. Um, and I, so I had a, I had a hard time starting with it, but talking through it with you, I remember you really helped me come to realize the reality of it and that it was possible.
0: Right. There's so much fear in the beginning that because you've also been told so often how you're wrong and you're bad, that you're about to do something bad and wrong. And certainly when there is shared children, there's a fear that I'm going to make a mistake and and my kid's going to be taken away from me. Um, and so setting those boundaries. Right. We talked about uh, setting up folders so that you didn't see the email in your inbox. I think that was one of them. Yes. And, uh, and then the other thing, and this happens with so many clients, is that you would read the emails no matter how abusive they were in the beginning.
1: Yes, I always, I, I'm not sure why, but I was just under the assumption that I had to listen to whatever it was that he had to say. Right. And I remember you helping me get to the point where I could say, he can write whatever he wants, it doesn't make it true and I don't have to listen to it. Just like I wouldn't listen to it if he was saying it to my face, I would always have the ability to walk away. I have the ability to walk away from an email. Right.
0: And even on the texts, I think we talked about a way that you didn't have to have that uh, that notification that triggered you, even if he was going to be sending texts on a regular basis.
1: Right. I, I forget the specifics of it. Um But we did make it so that I don't get the auditory signal when there is a text message. And so it gives me a little bit more freedom to brace myself and not have to read it if I don't feel like it at that at that point in time.
0: Right. And I just want to ask you, when we just look at that one piece of it, not um, not getting the ding when the text message came in and and it's actually you can put an individual on do not disturb by hiding just their notification so it shows up in your text but you're not getting the ding you what was happening if i remember correctly was your day was being more controlled by your ex because you you were engaging with his communication when it came in and as we work through this you began to engage with his communication when you decided you were ready and able.
1: Oh, 100%. You know, my my cell phone is is in my pocket while I'm at work and I was finding that the constant influx of the texts and the emails was really disruptive to my workday. It was taking over and um by being able to implement the tools that you helped me with, I was able to now focus on my, on my job and spend X amount of hours without being interrupted by the person I didn't want to be interrupted by. And it was, it was life-changing, it really was.
0: of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it that's why we created the divorce survival kit it's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action so go to divorce recovery com and grab your divorce survival kit today. When you say life changing, what would you, how would you best to describe the, um, the the shift for you when just that communication piece was no longer front and center controlling you?
1: Um, I would have to say that I guess I feel like I have a little more control over my my environment um, because I don't feel like I'm being attacked on a regular basis. It, it really made it so that I could... I could basically decide at what time I'm going to allow somebody to insult me if they're going to insult (laughs) me Um, or if I even want to listen to it at all. And that that a lot of freedom comes with that a lot where you were, you know, I was in I was at a place where I felt like. I would be interrupted even a, you know, on a weekend, at a party, out to dinner, when I'm with family, when I'm with friends, and then constantly getting these messages would ruin the event that I was at. Um, so it really helped to be able to put that aside and say, this is my time right now. This is my time to enjoy. And nobody's going to take that away from me, especially this person. And I can push them out during this specific time when there is no emergency or if my child is with me. I know that there's no emergency because he's with me. So I would say that the freedom, the freedom that it comes with was, was life-changing.
0: That's, that's, that's so point on. And, and that's great that you said that so many of the people who are listening, so many of my clients deal high conflict, clients deal with that, uh, feeling controlled by communication and the other piece that you didn't mention. So I just want to ask quickly was, uh, we were just talking about this, uh, in a group, uh, the, the feeling that you have to defend every accusation that comes forward.
1: Yes. I was defending myself left and right. And I felt that I needed to, um, I think that's just a natural reaction. If somebody accuses you of something, you want to defend yourself and um, you were able to help me get to the point where I don't need to do that. And that that's a mindset change. That's a, you can say whatever you want. It doesn't make it true mindset. Um, and no longer defending myself also helped to end the battles because the more i would defend myself the more i would receive in return it never it would just continue the argument it would continue the conversation where my ex would see that as participation right. instead of instead of defense
0: and it's almost like pouring some gasoline on the fire when you really just want it to go out when you defend
1: exactly and i remember something that you told me very well which was in order to end a game of tug of war, you have to drop the rope. And that's my version of dropping the rope, is not defending myself, not responding if it doesn't warrant a response.
0: Perfect. So, So my initial question was, what were you struggling with the most? One thing was all of the communication and how often it came in and how contentious it was. What else were you struggling with in the early stages?
1: Um, I was struggling with fear that other people were going to believe everything that he was saying or the, the image that he was trying to create of me, um, teachers, doctors, professionals, court professionals, friends, um, you know, the smear campaign is real. And I felt very, very self-conscious. And I felt that I did need to defend myself with other professionals and uh, particularly in court. I was very afraid that the court professionals were going to believe the things that he was saying and that it was everything was going to be used against me. Why do you think that was your belief? Why do I think that was my belief? I think when somebody tells you certain things enough, you start to Mm -hmm. believe them.
0: Right. Right. So when you you're work when you're with a high conflict personality and they're always telling you how wrong you are, how bad you are, how stupid you are, how, how much in trouble you're gonna be, how you're gonna screw things up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that can really it, it's it's almost like a brainwashing at a certain point. And so that fear that everybody else is going to see what what he's saying you are and they're going to see him as what this charismatic, smart, together guy.
1: Right. Right. I mean, even messages I would receive um, messages such as, you know, the judge will see you who for who you really are, you know, th- messages like that. So after a while, you start to you start to believe these things that are kind of put into your head when they're put in there constantly.
0: And how did that fear impact you as you were going through the divorce?
1: Um, It was rough. It was really rough. And it it caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Um, But as things went on, as the years have gone on, I've started to realize that that fear doesn't hold any water.
0: And in fact, healthy minded people, especially in the courts who run into um, folks with personality disorders, uh, they actually catch on pretty quickly, don't they?
1: That would be my experience. Um, They, I felt that, that they did start to pick up on things pretty quickly. And I was sort of surprised. I thought I had a big battle ahead of me and right away, a lot of individuals really picked up on it and could, could see the writing on the wall.
0: Yeah. I, in my divorce, that was one of the more surprising things too. I just thought, um, my ex would fool everybody. And, uh, and, and I quickly realized that I was the one who had this skewed
1: perspective. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that's so. When you think back on uh, your experience going into coaching to help you support yourself through the divorce, what impact do you feel the um, the coaching had on your your journey?
1: Well, I think I think coaching was was really probably one of the biggest things that helped me through it. Um, it. Like I said before, it changes your mindset. It changes the way you think because you start to realize that you can't change how the other person acts. You can't change what they're going to do or what they're going to say. But once you change the way you think about their actions and their words and you change your mindset... You're able to see what's going on from an, a less emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. And you can see it more from an outsider's point of view. And, and then you, you can you can get through it. It doesn't mean that there won't be triggers. And it doesn't mean that there won't be um, battles. But you're able to handle the battles a lot better. Or you're able to shut them down before they even start. Right. Right.
0: Now, when when you first met me, you you were um you were getting some emotional support from therapy. Can you just share with our listeners what you found to be uh, the difference between your therapy and coaching?
1: So I I remember that it was must have been around the third session of coaching that I had had when I realized that those three sessions helped me more than. The many years of of therapy. Um, it seemed that therapy was helpful. Um, therapy was a lot more reflective, I guess. Looking back at at things that had been said or done, and sort of just kind of reflecting back on them. But I didn't feel that there was as much of a way to move forward past them. Whereas with coaching, it seemed. Well, it was that you were able to give me tools that I was able to actually tangibly use and I was able to implement right away. So it was by the second or third coaching session that I was starting to see a change. I was starting to see an actual change in the way I was handling things and the way that I was thinking about handling things. And then I slowly but surely was able to see a change in even the way that my ex was reacting to me.
0: Mm. As you changed, you actually saw his reactions change.
1: Yes. And there was some pushback for sure in the beginning, because I was putting my foot down about certain things, which I had never done before in not in a combative way, but in a setting a boundary way. Right. And um, there was definitely some pushback. At first, but I held my ground and you had told me there would be and there was and I pushed through it and then slowly but surely the texts and the emails were becoming fewer and fewer and everything just kind of slowly dissipated. It went from getting multiple emails and texts a day to a few during the week to maybe once a week, to once every couple of months, which is basically where I am now.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that had I told you that, that all of that was gonna s- slow down just based on you changing your way, it's in the beginning, I remember there was just this disbelief that that, that would have any impact. And you just described beautifully the, the ripple effect that it had.
1: Oh, absolutely, I would have thought no way. Yeah. No way this person is how they are. And they're just going to keep coming at me.
0: So during your divorce, what were the fears that you had of your future? What would, what would you say were one or two of the key fears that you had?
1: Um, one of the fears I had was that the battles would never end and that I was going to con- have to continue living my life with these mm-hmm. constant battles and the constant intrusion without any peace. Mm. That was definitely one of my biggest fears. Um, And another fear I would say is just being able to protect my child from having to deal with the same issues.
0: And let's take that first one, the battles. Um, Did that fear come true? The constant battles?
1: The constant battles? No, it hasn't. Um, Because like I said, once I was able to implement the tools that you've given me where I can really stop most of these battles before they start, there, there are a lot less battles to be had.
0: Ellie, I just want to say, having worked with you through um, so many ups and downs and watched your transformation from, as you described, that ball of anxiety in the beginning, and even listening to you now, you sound so calm and centered and level-headed. <laughs> and, and I know that you're still you know, dealing with plenty of challenges because dad remains dad after all of this time. So I, I really, I just want to acknowledge what I've seen in, in the change in you, and you've done such a beautiful job of describing uh, the lessons learned and the tools. Uh, before we wrap up, any final words of encouragement that you have for those listening who may be in the early stages, who may be experiencing the fear, the overwhelm, the lack of boundaries? Uh, what would you say to
1: them? I would say that once you change your mindset, everything changes that and and setting very firm clear boundaries will really release you from a lot um once you set once you set boundaries then most of the the turmoil and the battles won't even they won't even take place um that and and changing your thought process because you have zero control over the actions of your ex-spouse they're going to do whatever they're going to do they're going to say whatever they're going to say and you can you can try to stay ahead of the game but you'll you'll be caught by surprise quite often but once you have that mindset of of how to handle it when you are caught by surprise your reaction will change and it will make all the difference in the world It, it will mean your sanity Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to change, so you can't expect them to. And you have to be the one to change. And really, just changing the way you think about it is enough.
0: And when you change, your life gets to change, right? Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ellie, for taking the time to speak with us and sharing your journey. And I just wish you the very best going forward. Thanks so much. Oh, you're very welcome. For those of you listening, um, please, if you've been listening, review the podcast. Uh, By doing so, you invite others uh, who are searching for good content on divorce to benefit from our values. So take a minute and review our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast on iTunes. And our upcoming episode examines forgiveness and the vital role it plays in your healing process. We then explore the painfully difficult question of, should I stay or should I go? Uh, And what do I need uh, to make that decision? So don't forget to subscribe to our Journey Beyond Divorce podcast so that you'll be notified of the upcoming episode. You can also join our Journey Beyond Divorce community on Facebook, uh, where you can participate in our free virtual divorce support groups and receive guidance and encouragement from other members as well as our JBD coaches. And finally, we offer an abundance of free resources on jbddivorcesupport.com. So check us out and tune in in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening. group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.